Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, well, welcome everybody to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program, I have Avnita Gulati joining me. And kind of funny story how she and I reconnected. Uh, we have known each other for quite some time. She ran marketing operations and demand generation at FICO. I'm sure many of you know FICO, at least you know your, your credit score and you know FICO through that. They do certainly a whole lot more. But she was there for quite some time. And in fact, uh, we've got a couple members of our team that uh, have been involved with FICO. And one of our team members, uh, Avnita, I don't know if you know, Bray Coleman uh, works on our team. And I just talked with Feather Hickox the other day. So Avnita's down in San Diego. I've got a daughter down at San Diego State and she's involved in the marketing operations group that was down there. And I've done the marketing operations summit conference. So why so much about marketing operations? Because that is our topic today. We want to talk about the emerging role But without further ado, Avnita, thank you for joining me. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. It is a pleasure to have you. Uh, As you recall, you and I were, it felt like we were in Paris together. We were under the Eiffel Tower, except it wasn't. It was Las Vegas. And we were at one of the uh, MarTech conferences this earlier this year. And we said, you know what, since we're reconnecting here, it'd be great to have you on the podcast someday. And here we are. How's San Diego, by the way? I'm very jealous always of the weather oh, down there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's beautiful. It's a bit hot here uh, nowadays, but yeah, we miss the fall and all the other seasons. But yeah, we definitely have a stellar summer. That's, uh, that's the best part. It is beautiful. My daughter, Audrey, uh, probably by the time people hear this, she will be in Northern California because my oldest daughter, whose birthday is today, is getting married next Friday. So the family's getting together and it's a big time at the Lewis household. Big month for us. Very exciting. Wow. Congratulations. That is a big one. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, you know, for a guy who does a lot of public speaking and does a podcast every single week, you can imagine that I'm thinking most about those very few minutes that I will have uh, next week to toast her and her prince and their lives together. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Very, very exciting. Awesome. Well, let's jump in. I mentioned your role at, at FICO, and I also want to mention that uh, Avnita today, these days, is the Senior Director of Global Marketing Operations at Visa. So between her work there and her experience for many, many years at FICO, she's she's been able to see this role evolve and change. And I remember, by the way, Avnita, when I did, I was the uh, MC for the Marketing Operations Summit down there in San Diego that Marcom Central used to put on. And this was, I'm going to say about six years ago, maybe seven. And I asked people to raise their hand if they actually had marketing operations in their title. And you know what? Very few at their first event had the title of marketing operations. There was a lot of marketing automation people, and there were people certainly in digital or in demand generation there at the conference. But boy, this this title is um, all over the place these days, but the role has certainly emerged. So let's let's start there. I mean, given your tenure, how have you seen the role evolve from how it used to be to the, the responsibilities you have today? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I remember eight, 10 years ago when I was at Qualcomm, it was very much in its infancy and, you know, we had very few like marketing technology solutions like, uh, you know, 
Eloqua and um, I don't th- I don't even know if Marketo was back there uh, in those days, but very few to choose from, and it was very much in its infancy. And you know, like you said, marketing automation was a title. And quite honestly, starting from those early days, um, some of the folks that leaned towards more of uh, the technology side of things and um, using data to drive their decisions started to look at some of these solutions and how they can bring those into demand gen, right? So there were there was always this go-to-market planning and demand gen. I don't know if demand gen even had a very formal um, kind of role by itself, but it was product marketing and uh, PR and uh, some of the traditional marketing communication roles. So it was very much in its infancy. And I come from product marketing and demand gen roles in my previous uh, companies. And I started to look at marketing ops as a great opportunity in ways we can connect sales and sales ops and, you know, salesforce.com and and all these other technologies that other functions within the business were using. So that was my kind of first introduction to marketing ops. Uh, I was a product marketer looking to create demand for my product. And I dived right into Eloqua, implemented it. And and here we go. The journey started, right? From those early days um, to it's evolved tremendously in the last eight, 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of become its own mainstream, um, you know, starting from early days of onboarding technology to enablement of marketing teams to offering a very cohesive customer experience. We've kind of, uh, you know, broken down, the, broken down the silos and made it more of a strategic function where we are not only just onboarding and maintaining marketing tech stack, but we're also reporting on marketing performance. We are looking at marketing budget and planning. We're aligning with various functions along the business, you know, whether it's sales ops, it's customer success, um, it is, you know, working with finance, working with sales leaders, um, and working with like business process teams across. If you're in a broader or a bigger company, you know, you have all these other layers of onboarding technology and and onboarding processes and putting governance in place. So it's become a lot more inclusive. It's got a lot more kind of um, kind of tangents into many other functions, which makes it a very cohesive and an inclusive function uh, that requires a lot of different skill sets. Yeah. When you got started in, you, as, as you mentioned, you were responsible for Eloqua back in the day. You were, I guess, in all intents and purposes, the marketing automation manager. And that was one tool in the stack. And now there's lots of different tools, both MarTech and SalesTech. Uh, I've seen, I'm curious to get to your perspective on this. I've seen in some organizations, marketing operations, it's kind of very data and analytics oriented. In other organizations, uh, it's about the the tool sets and managing all the infrastructure, almost like a shadow IT department uh, in marketing. And in certain organizations, someone has the title of marketing operations, but they really are the marketing automation manager. So it really depends on the size of the company and, and such. If you were to describe in your perspective what you think general, like a cross-section of all companies, what the role of marketing operations is today, how would you, how would you profile that? You know, it's, it's a melting pot of all of those, quite honestly. We manage the technology side of things. Um, I think there's a whole function around having a really good grasp on technology, understanding the architecture, understanding the data model, 
understanding the different tools that integrate into the core marketing technology tools, right? And how they speak to each other. So talking about data flow. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely one of the main functions. But then also along with it, right behind it comes the process and the governance, right? So the process is not aligning with the tools, then it, it all breaks apart. It doesn't, the data doesn't flow. Nobody's picking up the leads that you're sending into Salesforce, right? So there's a whole enablement, marketing enablement, and a little bit of sales enablement that's required that comes along with the technology. And then reporting on it to say, okay, here's how uh, we want to track ourselves, measure ourselves. Here's all of the foundational stuff that we put in place, like the technology, the process, the governance to make sure things are not breaking or the, all the fields on the form are coming correctly and there's data normalization that's taking place, right? So that's part of the governance piece. And then we have regulations like GDPR and in, any kind of consent-driven preference centers. All those are locked and loaded. And then now we want to say, okay, here's how we want to measure our performance against our marketing goals, putting all that foundational stuff in place. So I think it's become a lot more inclusive, um, tying all those skill sets in there. And to be honest, it's a bit of a unicorn, right? Or it was at least. Now it's becoming more mainstream. But I think up until five, six years ago, it was hard to find people having skill sets beyond just marketing automation. But now, as, as I said, off late, it's become more mainstream. Do you ever, um, do you ever watch, uh, I think, yeah, it's Saturday Night Live. Do you ever watch Saturday Night Live with the mean tweets uh, segments that they do? Or seen those on on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and she's she's like, yeah, Dave, where where's that going? So um, I, I'm right. gonna I'm gonna introduce a new session to Demand Gen Radio called Daddy Text. Um, <laughs> and you're gonna get this in a minute. So it's not mean tweets, it's Daddy Text. These are texts that I get from my daughters. All right, and so I have one daughter. I, I think, as you know, is in marketing operations, uh, and she mm -hmm. graduated just over a year ago. And then I have one daughter who's down, as I mentioned, at San Diego State, who's studying marketing. She's a senior, so every course she has this year is in marketing. And this is her daddy text of the week. On Tuesday at 1.36 p.m., she sends me, Daddy, would you be able to teach me about data analytics? Okay, these, these are the texts I get. <laughs> Followed by, I know that's where a lot of the money is for marketing jobs. Love that. And then later on, um, she says, you know, by the way, I only asked about data analytics because Every one of my professors and some of the people I network with say that Dana Analytics is the highest paying marketing job. So you can tell she's a little driven and you can tell she's trying to figure out her path in marketing. And then to just finish up on, on the daddy text, when I talked to her yesterday on the way back from the airport, I called her to check in and I said, hey, tell me more about those texts you were sending. And she goes, well, I don't know if that's what would interest me like I don't know if I'm like an analytics person but you know she restated how much uh, there is in terms of scarcity of expertise there and um, and the the compensation area so I want to ask you because you've been in marketing operations for many many years now did you set your sights on a role in marketing operations and or how did you get there uh, if not yeah, no, I think she's definitely got the pulse uh, <laughs> on it, right? I think she's looking at the right kind of things and what the future holds, for sure, I can tell you. Uh, in terms of how I started, I think it was more uh, coming out of the frustration of going to market with a product launch, right? So I was in product marketing, 
and I'm looking at how we wanted to um, segment out who we are selling this new product to, right? So I was looking at, can I segment my database? And, you know, database 10, 8, 10 years ago, you can imagine where that was, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right? Uh, in some spreadsheets or in, on somebody's um, um, notepad. But I was really looking to uh, segment the database into who are my current customers versus who are my prospects versus who are the ones that have never adopted this technology. So kind of, uh, you know, they're up against the status quo that's stopping them to make that uh, that jump. So, and I was unable to tap into this data and then I was unable to find a way, an intelligent way to reach out to them, which made sense, which would tap into the right moment to reach out to them. So my only um, way to do that was through sales, right? And sales from, you know, their people and they only have so, they have only so much bandwidth and they can only scale that much, right? So just looking at some of those roadblocks ahead of me, uh, this new wave of marketing aut- automation was exciting because it was looking at all of these aspects and saying, you know what, we got you. Just give us a criteria. We'll pull the data. If you want to upload it for now in Excel format, we'll do it you know, for this moment. But going forward, there's a lot of opportunity. So connecting those dots, it just made sense, just a no-brainer to jump right into it and say, yeah, I want to use a tool that's smart enough and it was very busy big. It didn't require a ton of you know technical knowledge or experience or um, education. So it was it was presented as a very easy to use, quick turnkey uh, solution, and it was at that time right. Given all the other constraints that you had in terms of unable to uh, your inability to reach the prospect in an intelligent way, that seemed like the the using a busy big tool. Uh, and calling it plug and play at that time seemed like a better solution to go with. And it, it really was. It got us up and running and very quickly. And we, we came across um, as, as a, a vendor or a business that understood the pain points that were helping our sales team scale and reach out to a larger mass. And quite honestly, we got great results, good response rate, good conversion rates. Uh, it was our baseline, and it was wonderful. So that's what kind of kept me going. And um, as I kind of look at it, it, was a natural transition, right, from product marketing to gym engine to saying, I want to use a tool that's smart enough to implement kind of how I'm thinking about this process in my head. Yeah. You um, you gravitated there, and I want to understand that more from a, a persona perspective. Because when you were at Qualcomm, and you were there for long time, I think like seven or eight years, as you said, you had these roles in product marketing and you worked on a lot of the campaigns, a lot of the outbound stuff, and you gravitated towards more of the systems, more of the technology, kind of away from the the art and campaign of marketing and more into the systems. If if you look at your career path and for people that are listening, let's let's just divide the demand gen community, even though there's a lot of folks who listen to the podcast for the marketers that are out there, right? There's that kind of right brain, left brain. There's the creative marketers who are so good at content and content strategy and programs. And then there's folks like yourself who have a real passion for systems and data and analytics. Uh, What was it you think about yourself that not only gravitated your career in that path, but hey, you went on to start and lead user groups in marketing operations functions. So what do you, what do you think it is about you or, or your upbringing or just uh, the way you're wired that, that took you down more the science of marketing and, and less uh, further away from the, the art of marketing? 
you know, that's, that's a good point. And I think you're uncovering something that I've always kind of uh, kept it close to me, but and not shared very much publicly, but in, in the sense that a very logical person that likes to really understand how we're going to go about it. Right. So I don't want to be in an ambiguous world where I feel like, yes, that message is out there. Maybe somebody's reading it. I really want to know what impact my work is making. Nice. Right. And then I always think of when I'm given a project or uh, a, um, an assignment, I'm thinking of it logically in kind of a visual way. Right. OK, first step, then next step, decision step. Here's a decision tree. Here's how the rule is going to be based. Right. So in my head, I'm kind of already planning that. And if there is not a way to either articulate it or implement it or even track it, that's that's frustrating, right? You're like, well, I planned it out this way and I have a timeline and I have a if then or logic and I can't implement those decisions and don't have the visibility of how it's been received to make those decisions, right? So if I'm throwing something out there, if I'm putting out a message uh, through the social channels and I, I don't know if it's resonating, I don't have the data to know if it's somebody's liking it, sharing it. Uh, and it's not consumed in a way that I can take some action based on that, I'm at a loss, yeah. right? I can't move forward. I'm kind of flying blind there. I wonder for managers if there was some type of Myers-Briggs uh, thing that we could put in place for our, for our teams, where it's like math class or English class, music class right. or uh, dance, right? If you if you profiled people in such a way and you go, you know, this is probably someone that's more on the analytics, marketing operations, system side of marketing. This is someone more on the on the creative side. You know, look at sales, right? Sales, just like marketing operations, there has been the rise of sales operations. And in fact, in many companies mm-hmm. we're seeing, and I, I think I did an episode on it recently, uh, on the combination of marketing ops and sales ops into rev ops. By the way, Avnita, do you know statistically, since someone who likes statistics, do you know what the fifth most popular podcast is on Demand Gen Radio? Oh, I don't. Tell me. <laughs> How to lead a marketing operations team. Over a wow. year old, and it is uh, one, two, three, four, five. Sorry, wrong factoid. It's number six in the top 10, and that was with Scott Burns, who runs marketing operations over at CenturyLink. And so that was episode number 63. So I'll I'll let you know how yours does as well. But clearly, there's a strong interest in marketing operations. And we've been talking a little bit about just that gravitational pull or that that persona of you in that role, someone who likes precision, someone who wants to know the impact of her work that it's having on an organization. How do you like the system side? I mean, you've certainly grown from learning platforms like Eloqua into expertise in Domo and Tableau and other systems that you're using inside the various companies. Um, do you have any, what, what has led you to embrace new tools and technologies and, and discovering them? Yeah, and no, I think they've come a long way, right? As, as you've been, as you've been kind of seeing through the through the years, uh, from you know basic automation tools to a lot of uh, sophistication in data visualization. So I, I think what I look for is quite honestly, I'm a bit agnostic to what the tool does, but more so on what the business need is. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've gone from using a traditional marketing automation tool to saying, you know what, it's really not meeting our needs. I can just plain and simple go to an email marketing tool and just do that 
And but what I really want, what this business need is for now, the most critical one, given what our you know three to five year plan is. Uh, and I'll tell you why we're thinking only three to five years out. Um, but given what a three to year five plan is, um, is that I want to surface the most engaged contacts or leads to my sales reps or to my BDRs and SDRs so they can take action, right? Because I put up this organization that supports my inbound. I want to make sure they have enough volume because they're going to do the critical qualification. You know, you can say it's wrong or right either way, but it was a point in time need, which is where we were investing for the next two to five years. It felt like email channel is one component of it. It's what we want to surface up is taking first party data, third party data, combining those insights and bringing that uh, in front of our BDR so they can take action. And there's a whole cadence management and lead scoring and routing that comes along with it that is already taken care of. But we can just take up, take out this very robust email marketing tool that we pay a lot of money for and just go and meet that business need of bringing account insight from first party and third party. And as you know, in, in, not on, in all cases, the marketing automation tool can do that, right? There's only maybe one or two that can really do that well in which they send out emails, they, they do the scoring, and they also collect first party and third party. Usually you have to get a third, you have to get a, a different vendor in to do first and third party uh, mm-hmm. insights, right? So I, I was t- absolutely agnostic to it and said, all right, that's the business need. And two to five years is how long the business horizon is for that matter, right? And it's very easy from a technology standpoint to say, you know, you onboard a marketing automation system, you can somewhat plug it and then pull it out that easily yeah. because um, it is meant to be light use, busy, big, easy to implement, right? So it kind of goes in its favor and also against it because you can pull it out and say, you know what, we're just going to switch gears and go to very light email marketing uh, because of the performance we're seeing of that. And we're going to invest heavily into what our business needs are, which is kind of getting that real-time or near real-time information about first-party and third-party data that can really drive our uh, BDR function. Sure. Let's um let's delve deeper into that because two reasons. One is we have a client right now. I'm I'm going to keep them anonymous because I I can't tip off the vendor reps who do listen to demand gen radio. But one of the things that they've engaged with us on is to do basically what you're saying is they want us to do evaluation of their current marketing automation system and help them determine not just Anita whether they should stay on that platform, but actually whether they still need marketing automation for their business requirements. They're starting to look at tools and technologies that do different types of orchestration, and they really want to do some strategic planning and saying, do we need the tool sets mm-hmm. that we have for the next year? So I want to get with your, you're, you're a two-footed soccer player at least, right? You, you have, you've had yeah. experience with Marketo, experience with Elico, and many other different tools. So since we're approaching the end of 2019 right now, which is crazy, by the way, um, since we're approaching the end of the year, I have clients that are literally asking, what should be my budget for next year from a MarTech perspective? Given what you're seeing in the landscape, Dave and DemandGen, should we be increasing our budget, decreasing our budget? Where should we be placing our budget in different areas of the stack? So how do you go about that, right? As, as you look at 2020, yeah. and I'm not talking specifically for where you are today, what company you're at, I'm just saying, in terms of your approach, how do you 
take a look forward and say, okay, what's going to be my stack and recommended stack next year for the business? And, and how do I budget for that? Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a very fair question. And that's kind of what I went through two years ago at my previous company said, okay, what are we doing? Right? What do we want to do? What are we doing? How much have we leveraged our existing technology investment? It's a really important question to ask. It's to say, okay, we are paying this much for this technology and so on and so forth. How much are we really leveraging it? Are we really tapping into it? And if we are, is that the right thing to do for the business, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say we're using a ton of, we're doing a ton of emails. Is that the right outbound medium that we want to use? Is that still relevant, right? So that's one question. So yes, I did that analysis and, and scoring and whatnot and with, with, in, with input from a variety of folks, right? Across the team, when you're talking to sales ops, you're talking to sales and many different functions that contribute, including IT on ease of implementation, ease of integration. So that's one component. In fact, I have an Excel sheet where I did the scoring and analysis, and I'm happy to share with anybody who wants to reach out and, and take a look at it. Um, that was a fun project, you know, good three months of uh, back and forth and a lot of uh, meetings and discussions. But in terms of where I spend the money, right, the one is to optimize it. So even if you're using a certain tool and you're not tapping into the full potential of that tool, I would love to figure out a way to optimize that implementation, whether it requires for you to negotiate a different price, whether it requires you to turn off some things that you're not using because it's creating noise and it's creating a lot of uh, resource usage that you potentially can reuse somewhere else. So it's about optimizing your investment. Yeah. Right? The other is kind of listening in on what the business needs are. So mm -hmm. working with your sales leaders, working with your customer support or um, customer success managers, working with BDR and SDR functions to understand what their needs are, working with demand generation and the various functions of, of marketing like social and web and digital to understand what is, their, um, what is their plan next year or two out, right? So one of the things I've always, and getting a global view, right? We haven't even tapped into the whole global aspect of it where um, every region has their own challenges and a bit of more nuanced requirements, right? So factoring all of those in you, you see where your investments are going. But going back to um, talking to these different functions, I, what I encourage is have these functions come and present to marketing ops. Here's my plan. Here's my next year plan. And we do a quarterly check just to make sure we are still aligned and our investments that we have made, all the programs or processes or workflows that we put, into, uh, put in the systems are still relevant, right? So upfront at the beginning of the year or even, no, during planning, present to us what your vision is for the next year. What's your marketing plan and what are you investing marketing and sales and, and customer success from a uh, engagement perspective? What are you planning to spend and what's your focus area? And then we take that input back into marketing ops and say, all right, what does it look like? Let's turn into, let's look into our toolbox or when I say in, in our toolbox, I mean in the industry within marketing tech stack and all the complementary solutions that go with it to see what can we pull out of there to help these people get where they want to go, right? And then that's where we start to prioritize and look at different options. Yeah. I My recommendation for people who, especially those who have a pretty good size stack and are spending a fair amount of dollars on marketing technology, even sales technology, is to take what I would call a, a zero-based budgeting approach. And that is when you look at next year, grab some index cards and write down every one of your core MarTech tools on an index card and then find a good wall to put them on 
and group them by capability. And the reason for doing that is, is something you touched on, Abnita, is that many of these tools, like especially tools in the data category or analytics category or ABM category, they're like, you picture the circles and the Venn diagrams, they're overlapping more and more and more. So by taking those mm-hmm. index cards and putting them up on the wall, and I'll talk about how I do that, you can see whether they're overlapping with technologies. Because at some point you may just say, okay, this tool I'm using for contact enrichment, this tool now does that, so I don't need this other one anymore, this point solution for contact enrichment. Maybe this tool over here that does uh, campaign attribution, well, now I've purchased this other or I've upgraded my marketing automation system that's handling now better attribution, so I can sunset that. So you really want to see where the overlaps are. But the zero-based budgeting approach says... It's almost like the experience you went through when you got these tools. It says, I have nothing at the beginning of the year. So let's justify why we have the tools that we have. And so by doing this and even putting them up on the index cards on the wall, one of the areas that you might want to create is that kind of four quadrant, which is which are the tools that we get high ROI, but also require high amount of resources, you know, time and money. So you put them in that upper right quadrant because there's high ROI, but there's high amount of resources. What about the tools that give us a high ROI, but don't require much resources? We love those tools, right? We're getting great. It's almost like set it and forget it. Not very many of them, but you know what I'm saying? And then there's those, that lower left quadrant that's horrible because, I'm sorry, lower right quadrant, which is a tremendous amount of resources but no ROI or little ROI. Get rid of those tools. And only by taking the zero-based budgeting approach and saying, I'm not going to renew any of my agreements until I go through this re-justification process of why I need the tool. And because your team's changed so much, you may not even have the resources planned for next year that are currently managing some of those systems. So that's, that's my secret recipe we have a lot of tools at demand gen and very fortunately because we have so many tools that that vendors give to us to use because they want us to evangelize them if we're using them and they want you know with their partners of ours but every tool has a cost even if you haven't paid a licensing uh, fee for it or very little licensing fee so that's that's my approach and i'm i'm glad to hear uh, you like that, especially for the companies that you work at, much larger companies, you can spend a lot of money on these tools. And the tool that was right for you three years ago may not be the right tool. People hate to lift and, and shift. They don't like to move, but there's really a lot of value actually by starting fresh and relaunching a system, especially migrating a marketing automation system. And, and we have tons of documents, great resources on our website, demandgen.com in resources that talk about when is it time to switch marketing automation systems, checklists, and all kinds of great tools to help you plan a move from one or the other. And maybe, Avnita, if you think there's other tools we need to build, we'll work on that. But thank you for offering, um, too, just to underscore that point, that you're willing to share your scorecards and tools for evaluating planning tools. Avnita Gulati, G-U-L-A-T-I. Look her up on LinkedIn. By the way, because you said that and I restated it, uh, for about the next two years, people will reach out to you um, because uh, I've done other podcasts where we've offered these tools and I still get notes every other week. Hey, I listened to your podcast on, on such and such and can I get that tool from you? So get ready. They're they're coming. Yep. No, I love it. I love the idea of zero-based. That, that's a cool idea. I'll yeah. take you up on that too. <laughs> do, do it because you're going to save a ton of money. I mean, you really will. And oh, by the way, a uh, little secret Go back to your vendors and renegotiate if you need to. If, if, if you've gotten 
you know, creep over the years, go renegotiate your licenses. And sometimes that could be your re-upping for a two year where you're going year to year, save yourself some money there. Another thing you should do, we help a lot of clients with this is a big part of your budget is your marketing automation system, right? And a big cost of your marketing automation system is the size of your database. And we have a service called DataMD where we go in and dedupe our client's database, among other things. But that data dedupe, we typically can squeeze out 20, 30, maybe as much as 40% of the database just in dupes alone, not even counting bad records. And that will dramatically reduce your cost of a system that is based on the size of your database. So there really is some good discipline you need to put in place I recommend so that you're saving yourself money, but not even just money, it's time. Because if you have a smaller stack and less tools to manage, uh, I don't know if you're gonna get time back in your day, but you're definitely gonna shift your your focus. It seems like nothing that we do to create efficiency makes it that we're working less hours, but we are working our right. time differently, right? What's, what's um, in the years to come, what are areas of technology or f- areas within marketing operations that you're, um, digging in deeper to or getting getting excited about. We've certainly seen uh, a lot of ABM tools and I just uh, completed an ABM workshop for a client this past week. We did a, a basically a boot camp for five hours and up on the wall, you know, we showed probably some as many as like 35 different ABM tools and talked a little bit about each one and which one's going to be right for them as they started their ABM journey. What areas are you interested or excited about in, in terms of marketing operations from a tech perspective? Yeah, I think I'm looking at a whole customer experience, right? So I want to understand how the tools that we have or plan to onboard improve the customer experience. So customer centricity is very important, right? And uh, today, I think there's much more awareness and now development in tools where they are breaking the silos and connecting the dots. And I think that's where I'm headed is to understand what the tool set can bring to me that is integrating seamlessly, that's helping me present a more cohesive story. As you and I know, there are multiple touch points with a customer and a prospect, right? How do we make sure when one completes, the other one picks up very seamlessly? Mm-hmm. And we have the, you know, all the machine learning, the artificial intelligence, all the integration, you know, open APIs and web services to do that. It's just that, that from marketing ops perspective, I don't think we have dearth of tools. I think what we need to do is take a more strategic approach and like you said, you know, zero-based uh, budget, start with the basics, but also understand where the business is going. And, you know, I can't imagine anybody saying we want to do less, less of customer centricity or, or less of customer uh, experience. But I think it's a matter of making it a strategic goal, making sure that we are aligning across the board. I know other functions within the businesses are, right, sales is, customer success is, um, all of those customer facing functions definitely are. So we need to be part of that conversation and, and make sure our tools and our processes align with that. And we offer a very cohesive front to our customers and prospects. So it doesn't seem like uh, we are siloed and uh, disconnected. I'm, I'm so glad to hear you talk about focus on customer experience. It was just about a year ago that I did the keynote talk at uh, Integrate's B2B Game Changers conference. And it's coming up again. By the way, if anybody's listening would like to attend, I've got some free passes. So hit me up on LinkedIn if you would like to go. It's in San Francisco, the B2B Game Changers. The reason I bring it up is last year's keynote, I didn't want to talk about tech. I talked about customer experience and how that matters most. 
and two recent examples, Avnita, where technology is providing a better customer experience is my dermatologist. So I want to focus on that because that's cool. SMB. And my experience at the Kimpton Hotel in Toronto when uh, I was up there speaking at the Connex and attending that conference. So my little old dermatologist who I went to, I booked an appointment online. I got a confirmation on my phone. I got reminders in email and mobile text messages. I, um, When I showed up, it welcomed me. And when I left, it did a follow-up. Now, if she can have all of that automation to improve customer experience, changing or managing my appointment, big companies should do that, right? And at the Kimpton Hotel, same experience. I think they even have beacons in the hotel because they knew when I checked in, maybe that was a database up front. But when I was in my room, literally 10 minutes, almost to the minute, I started to receive personal communication from them uh, in terms of the facilities and recommending places to eat and things to do. It was a phenomenal experience. I know Keith Verazzi, I met him when he spoke at a conference years ago, and I believe he designed the original customer experience for Kimpton Hotels. Great book, Never Eat Alone, that he's written among others. So I love the fact that you are in your role thinking about technology and ways to improve customer experience for the companies that you are at because let's face it, that matters most. It's not even the best product these days or the least expensive product. It is all about customer experience. That's what we talk about with one another. And so if you're helping your companies do that through empowering technologies and improving data, yay, awesome. Kudos kudos to you. More of us need to do that in marketing and sales and operations and make a better customer experience. It's not just upper funnel, right? We've got to think about the yep. lower funnel and our, and our customers. Yep, it is definitely becoming mainstream, yeah. Well, I enjoy catching up with you, whether it's under the mock Eiffel Tower or here on Demand Gen Radio. So good to stay in touch with you. I will definitely hit you up when I'm down there visiting Audrey in San Diego. And uh, congratulations on all the success that you've had in your career and the work that you've been doing, not only for yourself in marketing operations, but the work that you're doing evangelizing and helping to educate others, whether it's in the use group or the content that you're putting up online. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. I mean, we're all learning together. And as I like to say, none of us are smarter than all of us. So um, summer's over. Have a have a good fall. You got any anything planned coming up for the fall time? Any travel? Uh, not for fall, but yes, definitely as the year ends, looking forward to some vacation time, some family time. Yep, looking forward to that. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. I have one ask to all of you. I've asked it before and I will ask it again because it really, really helps more people discover Demand Gen Radio, and that is to give a review on iTunes, on on uh, your podcast app. If you wouldn't mind just giving a short review, uh, we're all marketers, and and I am asking for your help, just raising visibility of the podcast. It's doing very very well, but you know what? Apple does all of their amplification based on reviews, and so you can help me as we help you get educated. I really really appreciate that. Um, can't thank you enough for all the support of of the program, and that will do it for this episode. We'll catch you on the next one. I hope you all had a great summer. Hard to believe fall is right around the corner or right approaching us. And there is Halloween candy already in the markets. That's disturbing, but uh, we'll leave it at that and we'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, 
thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 